Hello and welcome into another episode on Kingdom Conversations. I am your host, Pastor Caleb McCall. And man, do we have a treat for you listeners today. I have my good friend, Pastor Brian Gallardo with us today from Kansas City. Pastor Brian, how you doing today, my friend? I'm doing great, my friend. How are you? I'm well, I'm well. We're honored to have you on the show with us today. And uh, to all the listeners, y'all pay attention. This man has... Uh, some revelation and knowledge. He's preaching the truth, uh, doesn't care if it offends, but he's preaching it in love and uh, just doing a great work there in the Kansas City area. Uh, Pastor Brian and I connected through social media. We run in a lot of the same circles. He's a part of City Harvest Network with uh, Pastor Rod Parsley. Went through Bible college there, right, brother? Yeah, you graduated in, in 1999. Come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So connected with uh, uh, Bishop Apostle Rod Parsley there. We're connected with a lot of the same people. You know, Miles Rutherford, Jamie Tuttle. Uh, I know you'd gotten connected with Bishop Kevin Wallace here recently. And so, man, when I heard uh, what this man was preaching and the people that he was connected to, I knew that me and him had to get on the show and talk about a few things. We share a great mutual friend, Pastor Dwayne Johnson. Uh, yeah. Shout out, Pastor Dwayne. We love you, man. Pastor Dwayne's been on the show with me before and talking about the kingdom of God and his deep revelation. You know how he does, man. He's just wow for Jesus. So praise the Lord. Uh, but Pastor Brian, why don't you tell our listeners who might not know who you are a little bit about yourself, what you're doing there in the Kansas City area, how you come to the Lord and all that. Yeah, for sure. So I was actually raised in Omaha, Nebraska. And um, was raised in an environment that uh, single single parent home, and uh, actually my parents met at the same uh, place that you got help when you first came to yep. Jesus. Yeah, and uh, so uh, they met there, and I I grew up in church because my grandparents took us to church. My mom was was uh, not serving the Lord, and got to a point where she was. Uh, and doing things that that were contrary to how a brother and our sister should live, mm. and uh, so I never I never really fully surrendered till I was 18 years old and I had a God encounter in our apartment and God totally mm. radically revolutionized my life, and I committed to Him from that day forward. I would I would continue to preach the gospel, and that was in 1995. Mm. And on. so 15 years ago, I worked at a church. I went to Bible college, worked at a church out of Bible college in Omaha, Nebraska. And under a gentleman named Bishop James Hart, who I'm very still close to, he's one of our overseers and on our board and somebody I'm um, accountable and submitted to as well. Amen. And um, and he sent us to Kansas City. Uh, we originally were going to plant across town, but I told him I didn't want to plant anywhere close by him because I didn't want to hurt another man's vineyard. Yeah. And so he um, agreed with me and we started looking and we moved three hours away and started from scratch 15 years ago in Kansas City. And we're now currently in our uh, in a location that we just paid off, and we have no debt with it. It's fifteen thousand oh, square foot on three acres, and our three and a half acres. And God has been nothing but a, a blessing to us since we've been here. Jesus, Amen. Praise the Lord, man. That's incredible, man. Incredible what you're doing there in the Kansas City area. I can't wait to come visit. I watched some yeah, online, sure. and I'm like, man, I got to get in the room. I need to get in the room. So bless the Lord, man. Well, so you get sent out, you're in Kansas City, you know, you grew up in the Nebraska area. I've heard of Bishop Hart before. I know Pastor Dwayne was a part of uh, that church. Well, came to the yeah. Lord in your youth group, actually. Yeah, and got filled with the Holy Ghost there. Filled with the yeah. Holy Ghost, came Come to on. the Lord, man. I yeah. mean, wow, what 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 a legacy, dude. Like, yeah. seriously, what a legacy, man. And so you go to Kansas City, you plant the church, y'all are rocking and rolling, and man, I see... Uh, 
you know, watching some of y'all stuff online, man, I just love it. I see and I know that you are a Holy Ghost guy. So I want you to help our listeners today. And I, I do talk about this a lot with people who are pastors and apostolic and, and that, that know the work of the ministry. But like, man, what is the role of the Holy Spirit in our services um, you know, what, what do we need to do with the Holy Spirit within our services? And let me ask you this, is the Holy Ghost a good church growth plan? Okay. So if you take a blueprint of the Bible and compare the book of Acts on how they founded the church and how they ran the church, mm-hmm. and you look at the modern day church, especially in America, it's hard to find the blueprint in many places. Because the blueprint, the Holy Ghost was was like a wildfire throughout the entire church. I mean, he mm-hmm. is the governor of the kingdom. Yes. He is the he is the enforcer of King Jesus's idea mm-hmm. in the earth. And to me, if the Holy Ghost isn't set at liberty, you have more of a social club than you do a church. Ah, come on. In in the book of Acts, the blueprint is speaking in tongues. The blueprint is shadows healing people. The blueprint is Dorcas getting uh, off off her deathbed. The blueprint is the man stuck at the gate called beautiful silver and gold. They do not have, but what I have I give unto you in the name of Jesus. Rise and walk. And by the power of the Holy Ghost, he jumps up. And he begins to walk. It's Paul raising Eutychus uh, from the dead. It's mm. miracles, signs, and wonders, and people being amazed at the many miracles wrought through the hands of the apostles. It's Paul laying his hands on the early Christians in Ephesus. Have you mm. received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, we've not even heard of the Holy Ghost. So to me, mm. I don't know how I can, with the revelation, of course, you got to get the revelation. Uh, when you when you don't have the revelation, I, I don't know how you could be used to a, a, a dry or boring or dead church. When you get the revelation of the Holy Ghost, man, it's like, what in the world did I do before this? Um, it's mm. the difference between dry and saturation, empty yeah. and full, uh, dead and life, uh, funeral and uh, party. I mean, it's it's the difference yeah. between between everything. So I think the Holy Ghost is the most essential element we can have in our churches. It's got to be right. I mean, if if we're going to uh, be modeling our churches after the first century church, Book of Acts churches, we want these things to happen because we know that God didn't stop being God. Right. Uh, I, people trip me out that are like sensationists and stuff and say, well, God stopped doing uh, that because we entered a new time. For, it's like, well, did God just stop being God or did he fall off his throne or what are we, what are we talking about here? Like, mm. man, God is still God and he's still doing what he was doing. Um, then until Jesus returns, we're under the new dispensation of grace. And we are, we are in this era that we are in right now, but nothing has changed other than that. Um, maybe yeah. except us, you know, maybe yeah. we, the ones that have tried to change things up, but it sounds to me like you are saying the Holy Ghost, man, is essential um, to what it is that we are doing within our church services. I mean, you think about uh, Peter's first message. He just gets baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence yeah. of speaking in tongues, right? He gets up, he preaches his first message, and in his first message, 3,000 souls. By the way, it was a 10-minute sermonette, right, under the unction yeah. of the Holy Ghost. He told them about themselves. He gave them the way out and how to fix it, and boom, the church explodes in one instant uh, with a great move of the Holy Spirit. So, yeah, it's really tripped me out. And we were talking, man, uh, before we jumped on. But, you know, we're getting better. I will say I feel like we are getting better. Uh, but there was for years so many holy, like spirit filled people that were putting the Holy Ghost on a shelf 
in the name of church growth. And they're like, you know, you're going to scare somebody. It's like, well, maybe I need them squirming in their seat saying, I've never seen anything like Mm -hmm. this. Like, yo, I got to get right with God. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And that's what I had in church. I had a pastor actually tell me, cool, cutting edge, trendy guy, was was a youth pastor in a big church, exploded in the Holy I mean, it had a revival. I mean, yeah. crazy revival. Kids were getting baptized in the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, laying on the floor for three hours, <laughs> drunk. People had to drive them home kind of stuff. They started a church, and it started to grow really fast, and he took the element of the Holy Ghost out of it. And I, I asked him, I confronted him. I'm like, hey, man, why, why are you taking the element of the Holy Ghost out? And he said, bro, Pentecost doesn't build a church. And I, and I was like, so you're right. taking the whole book of Acts away from your church? Mm. Wow. Because mm. we've had the we've had the direct opposite effect. I mean, 80% of the people yeah. that go to our church got saved there, and we are a Holy Ghost, tongue-talking, Pentecostal, don't care nothing about it church. It's who we yeah. are. <laughs> Come on, man. And, and people got they're getting saved, healed, and delivered. And and the the common the common phrase that they'll say to us is we've never felt something like this before, ever. Mm. And mm. and Gen Z's hungry for the supernatural. Yeah, I mean, one yeah. of the biggest trending words on TikTok is hashtag witch witchcraft. Mm. It, witch talk. I'm sorry, it's witch talk. Witch it's talk. one of the number. Yeah, it's one of the top rating words on 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 TikTok. And so, if the devil can be spiritual, mm. why are we as a church who are supposed to be spiritual putting our spirituality in a box and saying we're not going to do that there because people will be offended? Now let the Holy Ghost loose, man. Jesus came, mm. and the Bible said when he flipped up the table, he let the dove loose out of the cage. Yeah. And that's what we need to do in the American church. We need to let the Holy Ghost loose from out of his box. Come on, And let him man. have permission to soar again. Yeah. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Now you preach it. We're getting you rolling Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Come yeah. on, man. That That's it, man. We've got to turn the Holy Ghost loose, let him have his way, and let him do what he needs to do. Because here's the thing, you know, I, you, we've talked about this a little bit, but I run the faith-based recovery centers and stuff. And I say this all the time because we try to connect with spirit-filled churches in our region. Our guys go from church to church on Sundays, Wednesdays, and different things. And I tell the pastors when I meet with them, I just had a, a district meeting with my with the Assemblies of God, and I was talking to these pastors about partnering with our ministry. And it's like, man, I'm trying to get our guys in spirit-filled services because what the Holy Ghost can do in one moment I can't do in 10 years of discipleship program. Yeah. I need them to get delivered and filled with the Holy Ghost so that the discipleship sticks. Mm. We got too many people that are, that are trying to go, they're trying to skip the process. It's hard to get discipled and for anything to stick when you ain't been delivered yet. Come on. Yeah. And so the Holy spirit of God is essential um, to what it is that we're trying to do in the church. Amen. Amen. Man, we could probably stay there all day, but uh, let's mo- let's move on. I want to got a couple of topics I want to turn you loose on, man. So here's right. our next one. Um, I want to ask, I'm just going to straight up ask you this question. I'm going to turn you loose. Can women preach? Pastor Brian. Man, here we go. Yes, they can <laughs> preach. And so we live in a, in a day and time where a lot of people get their theology off the back of a cereal box or um, off the back of a YouTube uh, undoctrinated theologian or mm-hmm. um, someone who hasn't been educated or studied, they're they're 21 years old and now they have a they have a online degree in theology. Mm-hmm. Um, if if women can't preach or lead, then you need to take every single biblical woman out of the Bible who did so. Um, a, a lot of times, people and especially in major denominations who have declared women can't lead or preach. Um, 
take 1 Timothy chapter 2 and 1 Corinthians 14 way out of context. So 1 Timothy chapter 2, when Paul said women were to be silent, he was referring to women who just got saved. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 14, when he said women should be silent, the church of Corinth was so corrupt and such a mess that women would just stand up and open up their mouth and start talking while the preacher was preaching. And 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 Paul Paul said this is out of order. He brought order to the church of Corinth. And he said, let everything be done in decency and in order. I mean, the Bible called Anna a prophetess. How can how can we say you can't preach and you can't prophesy? What is what is preaching? It's prophetic unction at times. And exhortation. Prophesying, yeah, it's exhortation. Prophesying is standing up in front of the church and exhorting them. So a woman can't do that. Then you have to take Anna out of the Bible. You have to take Phoebe, who was a deacon who helped lead and govern and, and teach in the church. You have, to take, uh, you have to take people out of the Bible like Deborah. You have to take people oh, yeah. out of the Bible like Miriam, who was called a prophetess. Mm -hmm. That's Old and New Testament. It's, oh, yeah. you, have to, you have to interpret the Bible hermeneutically overall, not just one verse. You can't build a doctrine off of one or two verses. You have to see how it's played out in the whole scripture and then mm -hmm. dig through history to find out the context of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, when you, I, you know, when this topic comes up and you mentioned Deborah, it's like you can really throw people for a loop on that. She didn't just uh preach or exhortate or give instruction she led the entire nation she, she did led, she led the entire nation yeah but yet we have thrown this situation out i love what you're saying there because dude it's it's really a simple a simple fix and a simple answer with this too right is that it's what you said with looking at the bible as a whole and hermeneutically you know we can't we gotta stop this stuff where we cherry pick scriptures for sure. um, and we build entire doctrines. We build entire denominations out of them. Uh, we have got to read the word and the whole word, and we've got to stick by it. Uh, you know, and as I love what you said there too. I mean, when you talk about prophecy, we, prophecy, man, is uh, it's exhortation. It's literally 100%. opening. What is preaching? It's exhortation. It's literally yeah. standing up, yeah. opening your yeah. mouth, and encouraging the people of God with His Word. Amen. You know, and so it's like. Where in the world did we get off on this stuff by reading one thing? And we was talking about it, too, before we came on. But like, uh, I believe it's Timothy who's in Ephesus and in Ephesus is the the uh, temple of Diana, the Greek yeah. goddess Diana. And in that temple. The women were the ministers of the temple, right? They were the ones who were into the spirituality. They were the ones teaching. They were the ones doing every little thing. And I think Paul is speaking to that as well. When he makes that statement, he's like, no, y'all men need to lead as well mm -hmm. and step up to the plate because women aren't supposed to be doing everything like they're doing across town at Diana's temple. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? Uh, yeah. So man, praise the Lord. I, I, I believe that with you as well, man, we have several women preachers in my church i keep telling the men like because it seems like we get women preachers galore and man they're great preachers i'm gonna tell you young in my walk when i was um uh just just more like read something and that's it that's what it is instead of digging and trying to read 
with the Holy Spirit. I used to think, well, I, man, the Bible says this right here. Women, women can't preach. I'm gonna tell you something that sh shifted me on this. And I began to dig it. God showed me the reality of what was true and what was not was I was at Ruach conference, which you're going to be there. I believe this year, right? Yeah. With yeah. Bishop Kevin and yeah. man, we're at Ruach conference. They did this seven up with seven preachers in seven minutes during one of the breakout sessions. And two of them was women. It was pastor Devin, which is Kevin's wife. And then the the lady they call Preacher Girl. Um, she's on Instagram, Preacher Girl TV. But man, these two ladies brought messages in seven minutes that like wrecked my life. And I'm like, <laughs> yo, I'm like, what? Like, what just happened? You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Yeah. I cannot deny the power of God that was and the anointing that they spoke under any longer. And so for that was back in. I just got saved in 2016. So that was back in 2018. So five years ago, but man, I could not deny the power of God that was on their life and what was going on, man. So powerful thing. Yes. I believe women can preach. Let's yeah. go into our next uh, topic of discussion. And I want to play this clip real quick first. And this is a clip by the way of uh, Pastor Brian's daughter. And uh, I know Pastor Brian, you are extremely proud of this. And this is just incredible. Um, I want to play this first and then I'll get into our discussion question. To be open to your oil. God, I pray that your, your rain would come, send blue fire over these people, God. I pray that you would use my dad to awaken something in these people. God, I pray that a vicious oil would just come and flood the earth, would just come and flood this church. God, I pray that you're awakening a revival. God, I pray that stirring. It will shake everything in its path, God. I pray that you are doing raining down fire from heaven from out of the mouth of babes man what a what a powerful powerful yeah. prayer and you can tell that that like that's authentic that's mm -hmm. going on behind closed doors i know you're a proud dad to hear that but i want to uh play that and shifting into our next question how do we steward pastor brian the next generation like that in the capital c church yeah i i personally believe that's the family's responsibility um my daughter is my my number one disciple mm. if i lose her i should not be pastoring that's so good um, she is a byproduct of what she sees at home she prays earnestly because she hears mom and dad pray earnestly mm. she's not playing games because mom and dad aren't you know we're not sitting upstairs watching rated r movies and then going to church on Sunday to preach. We're not, we don't have wine in our house. We're not smoking mm. weed in the name of you, all the herbs of the land. Come we're not on, living man. loose. We're not, we're not double standarding it. We, mm. we live the Bible. We, we do, the, we're not perfect, but we are distinct. And she mm. sees it, feels it, and knows the purity of my mom and dad want nothing more than Jesus. And so I think first it, it, it has to happen in the home. The world right now 
is doing its very best to uh, destroy the nuclear family. Yes, it is. The world is doing their very best to identify every single thing from what a family looks like to what a woman is. Mm. And the church, the church needs to get healthy. It's it's not it's not the LGBTQ's fault that the world is in a mess. It's not the the left or the right, the red or the blue, the Washington mm. D.C. It, it's it's not Marlboro or or Jack Daniels' fault. The problem is the church because we're allowing the family to be destroyed. Mm. When you take out the family, you t- you 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 really you take out the church. Mm. And and I believe with all my heart, the way you get that on your children is when you go after it. Come I on. believe when you go after it, you disciple your kids. I mean, we we cannot any longer as an American church. Mm. Expect our kids to get that with an hour on Wednesday night and 30 minutes on Sunday morning. It is not yeah. up to your youth yeah. pastor, your children's director, or your leader of your church to get your kids to get that. That is up to the mom and dad in a home to let their kids see you, crack a Bible open, mm. pray over them, and disciple your children. We, we yeah. have to disciple our kids because the world's trying to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. What a word, man. I. I hear what you're saying there. And, and what you're saying is, you know, a question, how do we in the church do this? And your answer is the church doesn't do it. The family unit does it. I love that For because sure. that that yeah. is true. Don't get us wrong in what we're saying here, either listeners. Like we're not saying that the, the church doesn't instruct and the youth pastor and the children's ministry doesn't 100%. pour in, doesn't invest. But this has got to start in the home. And when it starts in the home, it will trickle over. It'll get on them. You know, uh, I say this a lot while preaching, but, uh, you know, Moses spends uh, 40 days in the glory and he comes out off the mountain with some of it on him. Yeah. When you have the glory of God in your home and with yeah. your children, they have no choice. Some of it will get on them. Yeah. And uh, us as 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 leaders of our families, as fathers, as mothers, um, man, we have got to uh steward our families and our children well amen brother amen so man and, and what, I, can what, i add one thing well, yeah, add one yeah. thing to that too is is if you're watching or listening today and you feel like man i failed as a parent my first five years six years seven years mm-hmm. my kid is 14 they're a mess and i never did that you don't need to live under shame or condemnation either let's just talk about that for just yeah. a second because you can start over right now right this second and I encourage you to, if if that's you, go to your children and say, hey, I missed it as you were mm-hmm. growing up. And mm-hmm. I'm going to strive to do better because I believe God's got something great for your life. Start mm-hmm. laying your hands on them and praying for them and start yeah. start quoting scripture to them. My daughter and I, she's going through, you know, she's 13 years old. So she's in a self-image thing mm-hmm. right now, you know, like mm-hmm. all teenagers go through. Sure, so sure. I had her I had her look up what the Bible said about who she is. She's fearfully and earthly made. So she made about 30 decree cards that she's meditating one one a day on who she is. Uh, 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 and she's meditating on them all day long. I am fearfully wow. and wonderfully made. I am not ugly. I'm not fat. I'm not chubby. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And so coach your kids, disciple them, let, let them be your number one priority. Don't just give them a phone for 12 hours and let that phone babysit them. You actually yeah, disciple them and yeah. encourage them in Jesus. Yeah. Amen. That's so good. I love that. We've got to uh, preach hard truth, but scandalous grace. I'm in the middle of a series right now preaching that, man. Hard truth, but scandalous grace. And there's no condemnation. There's no reason to beat yourself up. Begin tonight. Begin today. Break open that word with your children. Anoint them. Lay hands on them. Pray for them. 
And uh, we, as the body of Christ, let's raise up the next generation filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. And uh, we can do this, guys. We can shift the tide on our on. On, on this next generation coming up behind us. So, Pastor Brian, I wanted to touch on this last uh, topic here with you. I'm going to uh, read the post that you had made. And, uh, you know, I shared this the other day. It's because it's the truth and it is good. Now, you've I've got to give you a plug at the end of this for your new book that has come out. Yeah. And I'm going to make time for that. Um, and I don't know if this came down. Was this a quote that came out of your book? Uh, the, uh, please stop calling your church, calling your church a church plant if it was a church split. For sure. Is that in your yeah. book, I believe. Yes, yeah. Sir. So, yeah, yeah. man, well, that was a, a powerful statement. Um, and you said there, you said, yeah, I know a lot of people, definitely not all start a church because of pride in them that says I can do it better. Leading an insurrection with 100 people following you and opening a new church door down the road. Those that plant that way should never be followed. They were not sent, but bent, then went. Come on, somebody. <laughs> they never planted. They split. If you haven't gotten the revised book entitled Jezebel Must Come Down, run over to BrianGallardo.com or Amazon and grab your copy today. So there's a quick plug. We'll give another one in a minute, but you need okay. this book, folks. Yeah. Uh, and so, man, why don't you uh, help us with that? Let, let's just say this. Pastor Brown, what is the proper way to plant a church? Let's discuss it that way. You know, sure. what is the proper sure. way for a staff member of a church or a church member, uh, somebody who is feeling called to plant a church? What, what do you feel like is the proper way to go about that? Sure. So whenever you have somebody that's in leadership in a church, number one, exiting the church, it, it hurts. I don't care if it's a good scenario or a bad yeah. scenario. Nobody wants to 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 not work with each other anymore especially when you're dealing with people that are counting on somebody who's a good leader in the church sure um but i i think it should look this way you go to your pastor and you say pastor um i have this desire in my heart a passion to lead or plant a church um mm -hmm. but i want your blessing on it mm -hmm. i want your i want your covering on it god put god called me to you to submit to you and to be led by you and mm -hmm. i want your i want your blessing on it and if that pastor says I don't feel like it's your time. You should submit to that and wait for your time. And then when you when you get down the road and you're praying, you're getting ready a little more, you should go to him again to get his blessing. It's really important to leave with the blessing. Now, if you're in an environment where that pastor is abusive and he doesn't ever let anybody go or nobody ever leaves the church, right? You know, um, that's a different case scenario. Then what I would encourage you to do in that moment is pray about it. Seek counsel from somebody over you. Don't seek counsel from your friends. That's a sin of Rehoboam. He yeah. sought the counsel of elders and then he sought counsel of his brothers. He didn't mm -hmm. listen to over. He listened to next people who are on the same level as him. Don't listen to people on the same level as you. They tell you how good you are. You make mo right. no mistakes. You're the best preacher in the world. And really you're yep. not that good. You make all kinds of mistakes <laughs> and, and you mess everything up. So yeah, um, go yeah. to elders, seek, seek advice from elders. What I mean by that is um, uh, seek counsel from leaders, from other pastors uh, mm -hmm. that, that you can get wisdom from. And if, if it does come to the point where there's just not agreement there, but you know that your time is done there, exit quietly. Don't say a word. Don't drag 30 people with you in the name of your pastor's wrong and you're right and go down the street and start a church. That's called outright rebellion. That's yeah. God doesn't bless you stealing from another man's vineyard. He won't do it. Um, it's, it's that, it's that, uh, it's that spirit of Korah. It's that Absalom spirit um, that thinks you can do it better. So don't, don't do it that way. Yeah. 
Yeah, amen. You said something too that that struck a chord with me, and there's a lot there. You 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 hit it on the head, but uh, I wrote this down too as you were saying it. You know, people. It's crazy to me how people forget so quickly that God called you to that place. And now that God might even be speaking to you something new, or maybe he's not speaking to you something new and you just have some ambition, but we tend to forget very quickly for some reason. No, God had called me here and like leaving without the blessing and not doing this the right way can, uh, can get me out of the will of God, you know, very quickly. Um, another thing that I think of with that we were talking about before we came on too is like you think of the young preachers, right? There's Timothy and there's Titus. They sat underneath the apostleship of Paul, yeah. and and Titus is called to Crete, and Timothy is there in Ephesus, right? And so you know this isn't a, a cross town thing, right? Yeah. You know, these brothers who sat underneath the same teaching, training, and leadership—they're both young leaders. All right, Paul says, "You go there, and you go there." You think about the disciples too when they preach the gospel first in Jerusalem, and Jesus says, "We'll go to the ends of the earth." Now, the apostles who are true apostles—which, by the way, my goodness—when you get these self-proclaimed prophets and apostles and they start laying down words on i have watched more people destroy their lives and ministries listening yeah. to some as paul calls them super apostles who come in and deceive and wreck havoc and split things and divide yeah. things and next thing you know you're listening to a word from them and now you're out on an island and they're running off doing something else messing up something down the yeah. down into the next region you know but you know that's not how the first century uh, church worked. They laid hands. There was a blessing. There was an agreement and there was being sent out. Um, yeah. And when you said it in that post too, talking about being bent and then, you know, calling yourself sent, whatever that may be. Um, yeah. But yeah, man, it's uh, that Cora, uh, that Absalom thing. I have I watched and seen, and I know you have as well, brother, you know, ambition can man it, if it is harnessed right it can be incredible but when unharnessed man it can bring about such destruction man such yes. destruction so laying out of hands in our culture is always preached one dimensional but it's mm -hmm. really two dimensional mm -hmm. we lay hands on those who are sick that they might receive recovery from sickness healing the second form of laying on of hands, when Paul said, don't lay hands on any man suddenly, he wasn't mm. talking about laying hands on sick people. He yeah. was talking about when impartation. Yep. Don't go to impart laying your hands on them, mm. raising them up, to, because not everybody can take them. Don't You better sit back and just watch how that person's character is, mm -hmm. because once somebody shows you who they are, believe them. Mm. And Timothy yeah. ran with Paul in such a way, if you really dig into the, the relationship between Paul and Timothy, look way back to when Timothy first came mm. in contact with Paul. He was a teenager. Uh, some believe he was 19-ish, 18-ish, old enough to be a man, mm -hmm. um, old enough to be married. And Paul came to Timothy, and his mom was a Jew. His dad was a Greek. Mm. And the first thing Paul said to Timothy was, hey, Timothy, come with me. I must circumcise you. Mm. So I want you to picture that. Today we would call that spiritual abuse, but then we would call it biblical training. He said, Timothy, before you can come with me, I got to go into your sensitive part of your life mm. and cut parts off of you that's going to potentially rob you from mm. ministering to all people groups. You can yeah. minister to the Greeks right now, but you can't minister to the Jews. 
because mm-hmm. you're caring too much. Let's just say it that way. This, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep it right, you know. So, <laughs> so back in that day, there wasn't, they didn't have sleeping medication. There was no anesthesiologist. Paul mm-hmm. literally took him and Paul literally circumcised him. Mm-hmm. Brings me to a point, if you're a leader who wants to go plant a church and you can't be cut by the one that brought you, then you definitely can't be called to plant your own. Man, a church, okay. a, a church plant is not a church transplant. Mm. A church plant, a plant doesn't start with a fully grown plant of another mm. man. A, yeah. a plant starts with a little seed that you mm. plant in the ground, and, mm. and you sit there and you water it and you wait. You count the days uh-huh. until yeah. something starts to grow. Mm-hmm. Our culture says a church plant is a hundred people. That is not a church plant. You yeah. <laughs> don't start. I mean, let's redefine these things. You know, yeah, you don't yeah. start with a hundred people. You start with a little, a little seed. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and so that that kind of stuff is my passion because I think it harms the church. Yeah, it, does. it harms pastors. I mean, so many senior leaders need need mental help and 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 counsel because of how young Timothys, whom they thought had treated them, and split and devoured their churches. Mm. So I wrote a book about it. It's called Jezebel Must Come Down. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. We're going to give that plug. But I, I want to touch on this too, man. It's like you, you hit it on the head. I'm, I think when you went to Kansas City, you said like three people showed up or something at y'all's first service. I think there was like 10 or 11 at my first service when we planted as well and just started. I mean, starting fresh, man, from the bottom, you know, and we had took it, taken over a church that had called us in that was down to like 10 people, you know, and so wow. we tried to do it the right way. And I think one key to this too, one key to this is honor. I just preached on this at my church too. Uh, we're big on it. Uh, you know, everybody that I'm connected to is big on it. And I teach and preach this stuff. Honor is the culture of the kingdom of God. Come on. Jesus can do no great miracles in his hometown because they lack honor. They're not perceiving him the right way. So they can't receive him the right way. And so they lack honor. So the miraculous is stopped Mm -hmm. from them having and partaking in it when it's right there, ready and available to them. And, And what I see in some of these situations is that they lack honor. And when you lack honor for the individual who gave you a platform, who poured into you, who invested into you, um, uh, you know, who did all of these things for you. And then you're will if you, if you are willing um, to take from that man's vineyard, uh, that is not a good place to be in starting out. Let me tell you right now, church planting, pastoring, running a church, it's hard enough. The last thing you want to do is make things harder on yourself um, by doing so. And I think you would agree with this statement too. I mean, like, Yo, if your heart is right and you really do believe God has called you, you know, that same city, that same area, whatever, you know, when those people show up, you tell them they can't come in. Yeah. But how many, how many of us, how many of us are doing that? Right. You know, when the folks show up, it's like, no, you're, you're not called here. I'm not taking from this man's vineyard and in, in doing so display honor. Um, in that man, I got you. Uh, I got to get you to give me a plug on this book. Tell us a little bit about this book as we close out, Pastor Brian. Yeah, so the book is entitled "Jezebel Must Come Down," and it it talks about breaking the power of relational manipulators. And uh, I really take it from the stance of how, it's not just for church senior leaders; it's for all people who claim to be Christians who go to church. Mm-hmm. Um, I deal with 27 different uh, characteristics of a Jezebel spirit manifesting mm-hmm. through somebody like uh, pity parties, mm-hmm. um, like those who come to church, they're an expert in everything, but they're trained in nothing. I've had people mm-hmm. come to me, 
I've preached 49 crusades and taught da 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 da. Can you just sit here and help us clean the church? I ain't doing that. I'm too anointed. You, you, okay. Um, it's, it's guilt trips about what you shouldn't feel guilty about. It's, it's, uh, withholding information. It's, holding information you know a lot of people will come and they'll withhold information with those that they should be transparent with uh-huh. and they'll be discreet with those or they'll be transparent with those they should be discreet with it's stuff mm. like that it's yeah it's um people who are obeying but demand an explanation it's it's mm. that that whole spirit that whole culture that's in our everybody has an opinion everybody mm-hmm. has a right to chime in and when you come to the house of god it's not a democracy it's come the on. it's the kingdom government of god which which is <laughs> him being king monarch and we take his orders as his kingdom leaders and right. then we we instill that into the people and the people follow the vision and the visionary that god gives them mm-hmm. and so and so it's it attacks all those spirit it attacks everything from like you know people come to church usher says can you please move over and they cop an attitude and give you a one-star google review on google because you were asked to move to a different seat you know it's that whole spirit that whole yeah. oh yeah kick back i'm not submitting i'm a spirit of a donkey i'm gonna do what i want to and kick back against authority i'm my own man i can do what i want to do man. you ain't, i don't need church i don't need a pastor i got jesus and that's all i need you know <laughs> that whole spirit oh yeah so, I come for it, man. It's aggressive. And then yeah. I also, I talk about spiritual abuse in it as well. Like mm-hmm. the, you know, like the, 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 the Eli pastor who doesn't have a backbone and lets sin continue on in his yeah. church. I talk about the Saul pastor who's throwing darts and daggers at his sons 24 seven. I talk about yeah. all those things. So it's a balanced book. I'm not just coming yeah, for yeah, just yeah. rebellion. Yeah. I'm coming for people who are, who have gotten hurt by church uh, authority figures who became abusive as well. So yeah. I feel like it's an overall uh, book on how to be free from it. I wrote a whole section on uh, how to be free from the power of an emotional manipulator. I talk about building blocks of loyalty, what it looks like to be loyal to someone like you can't be loyal to someone and be loyal to everyone because mm-hmm. loyalty is expensive. And yeah, so you yeah. can't you can't say you're loyal to your pastor, but yet you're running over here with all this group that just left your church. You're not loyal. You're disloyal. Mm-hmm. And and so I, I talk about that whole concept and idea that's in our culture. And unfortunately, it's in the church. Yeah. Wow, man, that's so good. I'm literally getting off of this podcast and I'm going to Amazon <laughs> and I'm buying Jezebel must come down. I encourage you listeners to go do that. I'm in the process of writing my first book. This is, you know, we're talking about expensive. Writing a book is expensive on, you know, I'm not talking about financially. I'm just time and like you're pouring your heart and your ministry and your spirit into this thing. And so writing a book is just, it's a challenge, um, but it's an incredible thing, an incredible accomplishment um, to be a published author and Man, I just want to tell your listeners, go get your copy today. I'm going to get mine as soon as I get off the phone. And I need to read this joker. I need to read this joker like right now. So I am seriously going to get a copy of it. But so, so good, Pastor Brian. Thank you so much for coming on. I know you're a busy man, pastoring a flourishing church there in the Kansas City area and just everything that y'all are doing. I know you're doing a lot online and running around and preaching. And I'm hoping to have this brother at Legacy soon. We're going to work out some details, on, but uh, yeah. hopefully we can bring him into Legacy and turn him loose preaching the word. And so be on the lookout for that, all of you Legacy Church members. But uh, we love you guys. We thank you all so much for tuning in again, Pastor Brian. Thanks for coming on. And uh, until next time on Kingdom Conversations. <laughs>